Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. So I had some insight over the last day, and I realized that I had clarity in 2015, and I lost it. You know, I went through some challenging things in my life, some transitions in my life, and that's what I help people make transitions. And I went into survival mode. I had trouble dreaming about a great future, seeing what could actually happen. Welcome to episode 98 of the Decide Your Legacy podcast. Today, I will talk to you about four reasons that you may have trouble seeing a bright future and then what you can do about it. I had trouble seeing a bright future because of difficulties in my life at that time, and it took me a while to shake it off. In fact, I really haven't shaken it off until the last year. So if you found the Decide Your Legacy podcast helpful, subscribe, give it a rating and review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast content. That helps it to grow. It shows up in people's feeds, and that's why it's growing. It's become more and more popular, and it's because of you. I'm so grateful for you. I'd give each of you a hug if I could. It's very exciting to me, and I need your help continually to keep it growing. Tell people about it so it can help more people. So I'm your host, Adam Gregg. I've been a coach, writer, a speaker, and a licensed mental health professional for over 20 years years. And my passion is to help people develop the self-confidence and clarity to face their biggest fears and live their legacy. I talk to people and I talk to you about things I struggle with myself. I am a fellow traveler. I don't have this all figured out. I learn as I teach it, as I talk about it, which is something that I have found extremely helpful. If you learn something very insightful, you teach it to somebody else and it starts to stick. And I challenge you to do the same with content you get from this podcast today. So I've done something uncomfortable recently and I'm gonna share that. And the reason I share those things is because nothing is more important to your mental health than facing your fears, and nothing is more damaging to your mental health than playing it safe. I played golf yesterday with three excellent golf golfers, low handicap players, both in the, about a six handicap, a seven handicap. The one guy had, he'd won the club championship and the other guy had won it in previous years or been one of the finalists in previous years. And I knew they were really good golfers. They were playing from the black tees on a course that they use for qualifying rounds for the PGA Crown Ferry tournament every year they have in my hometown. I was intimidated. I didn't want to go. I was driving out there thinking they're going to laugh at me. I'm a beginner golfer, but it was a great experience. I was around people much, much better at something than myself. And they gave me a lot of pointers and tips and encouragement. It was a lot of fun and I'm really glad I did it. So this is the podcast that you do, not just listen to. My listeners get uncomfortable too. So let's start with an action here. I want you to speak into your phone or write down one aspect of your life that could be great, much better than it is right now in six months. Six months is a long time. You can make a lot of changes in six months. In fact, one of my clients shocked me and he's lost almost 50 pounds in the last four to five months. Been talking about it. We've been discussing it. He's been discussing it. I was shocked when he started to really make the kind of progress he started to make. And it's through eating, 
healthy and being active, and I believe also decreasing his stress level, which losing weight can do as well. So write that down or speak it into your phone, some part of your life that could be significantly better realistically and ideally, sounds contradictory, but it's not, in six months. So it could be that your career is just rocking. You're out there making sales calls, building your business, hiring people, terminating the wrong people, all that. You have no debt. You have a great relationship with your kids. It's significantly improved your health. Like my one client has significantly improved. Write that down. Because these things are possible if you start there, right there with a, with a vision. That's what we're talking about, having a vision, being able to picture how our life could be. And so this is where I usually start with most of my clients. In fact, even when I talk to a potential client or they fill out an inquiry for, form, I want to know what they want to accomplish, where they can see their life actually being in the near future. And we start there usually at a year or six months, and it's super exciting because if people put it down somewhere, which often they're afraid to do, it starts that transitional phase in their own mentality that they can actually get there. Because they don't put it down if they don't believe it's possible. They may not want to put in the effort right now, but they're at least able to articulate it and write it down in some fashion. So another client, a busy second career, actually just got out of medical school not too long ago. And he was struggling to connect with his kids because he's in his forties and he, yes, people do go to medical school in their forties, believe it or not. So got out of school and wanted to build relationships, better relationships with his kids and could see it. But that vision initially, all it did was he could articulate, I want it to be much more solid. I want to have more time with them. They're teenagers. I want it to be great. And, and then all of a sudden he comes back in and talks to me and we visit and he's telling me he's having Sunday dinners with his kids over the last month and they're contributing and they're, and maybe it's a Wednesday dinner. It's a, a, a weekly dinner, family dinner and activity night every week. And they're having a great time. And the kids are kind of shocked about the whole thing because they haven't seen a whole lot of this family activity in the past, in the recent past at least, but it's starting to make this kind of change in that family dynamic. So I start there, but here's why clients often resist writing down a vision. There's myths that clients actually believe. So one, it's not needed for me to reach my goals. The reason that's a myth is because you have to start and have something to aim at. If you don't know, then what are you going to be setting? You can't set goals until you have something that you're aiming at. Another myth is that once I set it, it has to stay the same. That's a myth because it's really not true. It can change. People are afraid to write it down because then they don't think they can change it, but it's starting that process of clarity. Another myth is that people have this sense that their, their life is not in their own hands. So why write something down that I want when it hasn't been that way in my past? And we're going to discuss that some today. And the other thing that I sense a lot. And it's really a myth is that it's kind of this silly activity, like <laughs> this silly activity that only people that are really kind of, you know, hippie, Grateful Dead followers, you know, like I was <laughs> back in the day, it's not really silly, but they can have this attitude and that's fear talking. And the reason that I would say that's a myth is there really is no fear in writing it down. You are going to benefit from writing it down. In fact, you're going to benefit in, I would say multiple ways. So one, a vision gives meaning to the mundane. It gives you this ability to do the hard things and even enjoy the the hard things, those tasks, it gives you self-discipline because you're working towards something that you can see. It makes discipline actually desirable. It gives you motivation and energy because you're starting to see the steps you're taking towards the vision as you reach your objectives. It helps you set the right goals so it becomes a filter. In my coffee filter illustration, you have to have the right filters in your life to set the right goals. And if one of the filters is a vision. One of the filters is having in articulating your core values. One of the filters is to understand your life purpose and to get that very clear in your life. And certainly a legacy coach, someone with Decide Your Legacy can help you to articulate that. So another 
way it helps you is it helps to decrease stress because it makes expectations more realistic. Be anxiety feeds off of ambiguity. You're removing the ambiguity by having a vision in your life, and it decreases burnout because we are burnt out when we're just spinning our wheels. We're not going towards something, or it's the same old thing again and again. But a vision gives you traction because you're seeing where you're heading. You get to decide whether you want to pursue those objectives, but at least it's there somewhere. And I would highly encourage you. I mean, I'm serious about this. Like if you just wrote down something, you know, you can see yourself weighing 40 pounds less in six months. I want you to write that down and post it on your mirror or your fridge or on the dash of your car. Those are three places you're not going to miss every day of your life. Your, your mirror in your bathroom. Yes, your spouse may not like that, but I want you to post it so you're going to actually see it. And that's going to start changing things. So let's talk about these four, four things, four obstacles, biggest obstacles that I I have found for people to actually seeing this brighter future and being able to pursue this brighter future. These are a big deal. This is what I was struggling with for almost five years in my own life because of transitions I've had in my own life. So one is the one is that you, you struggle because of emotional junk emotional baggage that's there that you haven't actually worked through and your emotions take over in situations. So you may feel a sense of rage when really it should just be irritation. And then you're reacting instead of responding because you're so upset about something, it triggers this primal fear. Your kids just didn't put away the dishes and you're enraged by the whole thing. Well, that's not a healthy reaction to that situation. And that's showing that there's some emotional stuff you got to work through because that emotion is so incredibly strong and it shouldn't be. You know, in those situations, your emotions become a dictator. You know, they are a Vladimir Putin in your life or they're an Adolf Hitler in your life or a Pinochet in your life. I mean, these things are telling you what to do and you feel as if in the moment there's high sense of urgency. I have to act on this feeling in this moment. That's showing you there's some emotional baggage you got to work through. And your emotions are highly connected to your thoughts because they often are, they're triggering some kind of thinking. So you feel a sense of fear. You don't know why. And then all of a sudden you have thoughts that there is something dangerous going on here. In fact, you start to have this confirmation bias where you're, you're seeing information that confirms a reason to be afraid. Oh, they're looking at me in a strange way. Oh, they're talking about me. Oh, they must not like me. And that's that emotion that is creating these thoughts. Now, the reverse happens too. We have these thoughts about a situation, but the emotion is often very quick. And it's a primary area we want to work on in order to have healthy perspectives in our life, in order to know how to have a response versus a reaction. You work through it. So examples. Another one is excitement, for example. Sometimes when we're emotionally dysregulated, which is what I'm talking about here, we can become overly excited about things and overly enthusiastic about things when we may want to hold back. And a normal healthy response would be to tone it down some. I am somebody that has struggled with that in my life. I can get super passionate and super excited about things. And I like that about myself, but sometimes it's a sign of emotional dysregulation in my life. I have realized that. So I know for me, one area where I had a great deal of terror was doing speaking and producing content and even taking on new clients and even taking on new companies. I was playing it safe for a long period of time. I was had a decent income and enough business, but I wasn't going out and spreading my wings and taking the risks that I preached to my clients. And so I took a pause in producing my podcast for one period of time because I thought, you know, I am not living the life I want my clients to live. I want to challenge my clients to live. I struggle just like everybody else. And I've produced podcasts when I've struggled. I mean, it's not like I only produce them when I don't struggle. That's not the case at all. I do know, though, that I feel better when I talk about things when I'm striving to live it out in my own life. 
but it terrified me to do these new things and to pursue these new objectives. Yeah, really new goals in my life. But that was, you know, it wasn't even that long ago. I mean, this, we're talking in the last couple of years, I've, I've had to deal with some of this terror of doing new things. So it's there, but we can do some things to get out of it. Some actions you can take. And I have challenged so many clients to do this. I mean, buying a journal and and carrying that journal with you wherever you go. So it can be a pocket journal. It can be one in your backpack. It can be one you're just holding on to. And if you want to deal with some of the emotional junk, we'll start writing down during the day, at least a few times during the day, how you're feeling and then why you're feeling this way and then how it might actually be connected to your past. So three things. So what you're feeling, so identify it. If you need an emotions wheel or if you have one of my emotions bookmarks, then you can use that, pull it out. It gives you some ideas. Well, I'm feeling afraid. And why? Well, I feel like people are judging me in this situation? And how is that connected to my past? Well, maybe you lived in a very critical environment where your siblings were very harsh and judgmental. I don't know what it is for you, but you're going to gain some awareness at the, to the root of what is actually happening in this situation. So that's one thing you can do to work on, work on the emotional junk. Another thing you can do is to seek discomfort and even have a number and pursue making a number of mistakes every day, because that's going to be a sign that you're seeking discomfort in your life, whatever it may be. If it's a relational difficulty that you want to face, if it's a sales call you want to make, if it's a compliment you want to give, if it's some kind of encouragement to somebody that you desire to give to them that you know is uncomfortable for you, but that discomfort is going to challenge that emotional junk and help you to sort it through. You may feel as if it's going to make it worse, but I promise you the opposite is true. It's going to start sorting through things because after we do a courageous act, then we have a sense of peace. It's afterwards. It's not before. We face it. We do it. We see what's on the other side. We don't know what's on the other side. We're letting go of the outcome or else it wouldn't be a courageous act. If we knew exactly what the outcome would be, then it's something we've already done before. It's something we know that is we know is safe. But I'm challenging you to seek discomfort, and that's going to help you work through your emotional junk. And the emotional junk is greatly tied to our core beliefs, and our core beliefs can be damaging, some of which can be self-pity. So the second big that people have to face is to deal with their own self-pity. And that can be a self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles. And it keeps us stuck in the moment and what is going wrong in the moment. And it keeps us seeing and focusing on the negative in our lives. And it keeps us stuck to mindsets that don't push us forward. So for example, some people have this damaging mindset that they must do everything perfectly. When a much healthier mindset is to do things with excellence and to do things well and to put enough time blocked out in your schedule to prepare, but you're doing it with excellence, not perfection, because you know you have limited resources. That self-pity is like, I'm not good enough. I have too many problems. I've made so many mistakes. So we become afraid of success. We become afraid of great relationships, or we don't believe we can get to have great relationships. We're unworthy. We're not good enough. We're unlovable. And those things can be very deep. And I know the self, the word self-pity might trigger some of you listening, and it's not always self-pity. Sometimes it's just this view of ourselves all the time, but self-pity is like, I have all my own issues and it's not going to keep, it's keeping me stuck and I'm going to stay here and I'm never going to get out of it. And this mindset's not going to change. I don't like myself. I don't love myself. And so I'm going to avoid and hide from those things that I could actually actually help me. And so people turn to drinking and they turn to workaholism and they turn to focusing on areas of life where they have some level of competency or they complain and they blame and they don't engage in risky behavior, in healthy risky behavior. There's unhealthy risky behavior like gambling, you're 
retirement on the roulette wheel or on the blackjack table. I get it. So, but there is healthy risk professionally, which may mean starting something new as a project at work, or it may mean asking for a raise in your job at work. I had a client in the last six months get a $25,000 raise. And I have had this happen a number of times in my career. I need to charge commission for the coaching that I do because I want to build a piece of that. This guy would not have asked for a raise had I not shown him. He did all the hard work. I'm not going to take credit for him getting the raise. He did the work to earn it and everything. I just encouraged him to see that there was nothing he really had to lose in this situation by asking for more. And he was worth it and he got it. And he got more than he actually thought he would get. So it was pretty amazing and pretty cool to see. And I, like I've said, I've seen that a number of different times. Also, just one thing to think about is, is that we can have this emotional junk and then we can have these damaging limiting mindsets that come out of it or that drive that emotional junk. And then it goes back to what are we going to do about it? And that awareness is the key. If we come to engage in some practices that start giving us some self-awareness and start showing us that these thoughts are going through my mind and I don't have to be consumed by them. I can actually step back from them and see that they're not true and replace them with something that is true. And I call this mindset coaching. We're looking at the mindsets that we have and we're starting to say, this isn't true and this is a much healthier perspective. So recently I had a client in the last year who a professional actor, and a very successful career, very talented, keeps sabotaging in situations and has admitted that, I mean, has talked about that a number of different times and has had some difficulties personally that led and trickled into this lack of confidence professionally. So there's been some rough patches recently kind of thing. And I've seen consistently how the decisions that she makes and has talked about making prior to coaching mainly have been habitual to only date people that she felt were not going to be on a superior level or to only date people where she felt needed and where she felt useful rather than dating people that are riskier, but healthier, where she has to let go. And then she has to just kind of see what happens and grow. Just like I had to, when I played with these really good golfers, I had to let go. I didn't know these guys. All I knew is that they were much better than me and I had to let go and I didn't want to do it, but I'm glad that I did and made some new friends. Very cool thing. So, but she's seeing over time that these limiting mindsets are connected to the past and are connected to things that happened that didn't go well. And she perceives that they're going to happen in the future. So it's a really a misattribution and basically, so some actions you can take to work on this tendency to have self-pity and these may surprise you, but one is to just say, who is in a worse off situation than me and how can I help them? And that may not, they not, may not be in a worse off situation in their career necessarily, but in a part of their life, they're worse off than you. So they may be more, they may have more stability in their career than you have, but their health, you may be able to help them. So you can find ways creatively. And I always believe consistently believe that if I ask for ways to help, it's going to come. So if I'm open for way, to ways that I can encourage other people, whether it's at a restaurant and whether it's at 
you know, the golf course or whether it's in the, my job or speaking or whatever, that I can, there's going to be an opportunity if I'm open, prayerfully open to the opportunity that's going to come my way. And I can be a light in a dark place. Not that they're a dark person, meaning their life is in shambles or anything. They may be doing better than, better than me, but there's this light, opportunity to shine a light in their lives if I'm open to it. So I'd encourage you to do one thing. So seven, write down seven things, exciting things over the next five years. And these are things that you may not feel excited about, but you should. I hate the word you should, but if you were at a better spot mentally right now, you would be excited about these things that are going to happen over the, not even over the next five years. I would say do it over the next one year, seven things that you, you should be excited about over the next one, one year, over the next 12 months. And whether that's something very simple like Thanksgiving or Christmas, or whether that's something big, like you're going to turn 50, like I did just a week ago, whatever it may be, I want you to write that down somewhere. So you start to have this anticipatory excitement in your life and you may not feel it at all, but you're going to start to feel it over time as you focus on it and you'll see it. And that's something, the second thing that you can actually do. So if you found this podcast helpful or any other Decide Your Legacy podcast, hit, hit the link to Shatterproof Yourself. These are seven small steps to a giant leap in your mental health. And one of the small steps is creating a vision. You're going to get a lot more information in this video and on the worksheet that you complete. And you're going to be inspired to check out the other six steps as well. So the third thing, the third obstacle to being able to dream and let go. And a lot of times people can't dream and let go is because they have grief or because they have trauma that's unprocessed because they live in safety and survival mode. And we don't dream when we're anxious. Why would we? We don't want to think about preparing for the future when we have to survive the day to day. This very day to day, we don't know where our next meal is coming from. So we got to get through this day to day. So it's not even safe in that situation to think about the future because I have to survive. And that energy going towards dreaming is really better used in survival mode, but that's not the case. It is the case momentarily for people, but luckily most of us, most of you listening live in a situation where you have a lot of your needs met and some of you don't, I understand. But even in those situations, I've been in crisis situations in my life and where I didn't necessarily see much hope and where I felt as if, safety was the priority. And I, even then would have benefited by finding some time to dream even then, because that would have helped me get through the difficulties today because I could see this potential bright future in my life. The third thing is we have a rear view mirror focus. So we're looking in the rear view mirror. We're not looking out through the windshield where we see this big, bright blue sky and these trees and the road ahead of us and this potential that's ahead of us. We're getting stuck in this rear view mirror, looking behind at the cars behind us. You want the rear view mirror. You don't want it being, you don't want to break it off and not have it in the car, but it's not going to serve you if you're always focusing on the rear view mirror. In fact, you're going to get in a crash, which often happens. And that's why we don't dream. We're, we're in a crash right now. So we figure out what is in the rearview mirror and we start to work on it. So it's going to, it's going to be not dealing. I mean, that rearview mirror is when we don't deal with our past stuff. Okay. The stuff in the past, which that has had a big impact on us. So is it a loss of a parent that we lost when we were eight years old in a horrific car accident. And we're wondering why we have this anxiety today and why we make these decisions for safety today and why we overanalyze and get stuck in our head or we have these addictive behaviors, but we haven't dealt with this stuff from a long time ago. And it might've been 40, 50 years ago and you haven't dealt with it yet. It's still impacting your life significantly 
significantly today because you're not facing it. It could be the loss of your health for some reason. It could be the loss of a marriage, the loss of a child. It could be the loss of your mother or your father or your sister or your brother, whatever. But those things in the past or the things that we experienced being bullied where people treated us as if we were unworthy and as if we were just a piece of garbage and we still get stuck in relation in certain situations, especially crowds, and we have phobias because we equate the current situation to what happened actually in the past. And of course, we're not going to dream until we work through that. We have to work through the anxiety. For example, people get hurt in past relationships and they think it's going to happen again. So they say safe in relationships and they don't know where that actual relationship is going to go, but they perceive that these other ones that are different are not going to go in the right direction. So they stay in the kinds of situations that they know are going to be people that treated them like others in the past. Maybe it's poorly in the past, you know, they weren't really loved and cherished in the relationship. They weren't challenged, or if they were challenged, it was always criticism and negativity towards them, and they perceive it's going to happen in the future. So you know, some people, they get stuck because of their past in a perfectionistic mentality. They're never good enough for their parents, for their teachers, or they perceive not being good enough for their teachers, their coaches, and then they don't actually work through that, and they're stuck in the past, or they have some sort of abuse or neglect in the past that they haven't dealt with, and it's stored in their body, and it leads to this anxiety that they don't actually work through because anxiety creates tunnel vision, and anxiety creates creates this whole dynamic of being stuck in a sympathetic state where it's fight, flight, or freeze, and they don't learn to relax. And so identifying how the rear view mirror focus is impacting your life is going to take some actions. I mean, one of them is going to be to get some help. Seriously, like get some help through books. That's one way to start, but I would suggest you get some help by talking to a coach, a professional on the traumatic kind of situation that you went through, a counselor, a professional. So something that I love to do with clients, and I do this pretty much with every client in the first few sessions, is some serious mindset coaching, where they're going to unpack the very specific mindsets that they have that are holding them back, that are keeping them from making that transition to starting the new business or getting into a new relationship or transitioning into retirement or transitioning into a better position in their job or a new career, whatever it is they are going to have mindsets that hold them back potentially. They're stuck for some reason. So you can work on that to get out of the rearview mirror and start looking through the windshield. You can journal your thoughts. And again, this becomes a very important action to take. And so you start writing down what you're thinking and what your thoughts are in this specific situation. And then you determine why you're thinking this way, like what happened here and even what is connected to my past about this thought right now. So I am a perfectionist because potentially I never felt good enough. And it may not have been an accurate perception, but just the way that my mom talked to me in the past seemed to be very critical. And it was really her fear, not directed necessarily at me, but I interpreted it as if I was not good enough. And so I tried to do things to become good enough. And that articulation, that awareness starts to change the power that that mindset has over your life. There's truth on the other side as you work through it you'll see that you are feeding a lot of these damaging mindsets. I would say in your journal, an activity you can do is to say 
on one side of the paper, you draw a line down the middle, and on one side, you write on the top anxiety. On the other side, or fear, it's the same thing. And on the other side, you write down truth. And throughout the day, whenever you have a mindset that you know, because you feel it in your bones, you know this is not the right type of mindset to have. So for example, if I am getting ready to go work out and I don't want to go work out, I can write down that I don't want to go work out. I have other more important things to do. And then I know that that's not the whole truth. And on the other side, in that column under truth, it's like, this is good for me. You're going to feel better. You're actually going to be more creative after you go work out. You're going to actually enjoy your day more. It's a great way to start the day. And that just looking at that on paper can make the shift for most people as they do it consistently. Maybe not the first seven days, 10 days, whatever, but you start to see there's some patterns here. And then you start to realize you have power in this situation. And one of those decisions we often make when we get stuck in the past in that rearview mirror is we make the decision to be around people that aren't the best for us, negative people, anxious and fearful people. And we make them our confidants. We make them people that we get inspiration from when they aren't the type of people we should be hanging out with in that capacity. So you are going to have decisions consistently in your life. You have opportunities to choose who you're going to spend your time with. And that's up to you. It's your decision. It really isn't controlled in your life. And I could argue, you could argue with me about this, but why in the world would you choose to be around negative, anxious, scared people all the time and make that your inner circle? What benefit is that going to have in your life? That's just me not being willing to play golf with people that are much, much better at golf than me, who really would like and enjoy playing with me from what I've experienced. Now, I didn't think they would, but they did. I didn't slow them down. They kind of helped me out. But we have so many tendencies to be around people that are going to be safe and like the people we've been around in the past and not to get outside of that. So oh, there's, you know, just a client that I can think of recently had friends who are also was basically talking about a business opportunity that he had. And he was bringing this business opportunity to friends that were not the best people for him to be talking to about this business venture. I mean, because they were filling him with fear. It's not going to work. It's going to go wrong. And it was a legitimate idea and a legitimate business plan, yet getting feedback from friends and family that were saying this is too risky. It's not a great thing to do. Now, they could have given him some advice that would be helpful in this situation. And advice is different than feedback. Feedback is is focused on the past generally. Advice is how can we get to the future? They could give him advice on what steps he could take potentially if they had their own businesses or if they were stepping outside of their own fear. Even if they didn't have a business, they could give him some advice on how to get to that next level because they know the guy. But what they were doing is just feeding anxiety. And he was choosing to continually go back to these, what I would say, in that situation, they were empty wells. They weren't able to give him what he was looking for. Not a great situation, but I find that happens consistently. Why are we going back to these people who are afraid? And we can look at them not as people who we get advice from, but as people who we can help inspire. And they're not going to be in our inner circle. They may be our family, but not our confidants when it comes to these things and these challenges in our life. So we decide to have these people who are courageous around us, who are not going to feed our fears. And we make those the people that we hang around with and we get support from. And then we see consistently that 
that these other anxious, fearful people are ones that we can inspire and not get fed by. So some actions you can take here is you can find people who you can dream with. Like I was dreaming on the golf course of being a much better golfer by playing with these guys who are much better than me. You can join a mastermind group. I was a part of a mastermind group for a number of years that was very impactful in my life. And I'm a part of a mastermind group right now as well with a bunch of small business owners. And it's called the Q. It's a great deal. It's a business support group. Everyone owns a business. We encourage each other. We challenge each other. It's a lot of advice. It's a lot of encouragement, not a bunch of fear feeding kind of thing, but you have opportunities around you. Look for them. There may be people at your church who are a step ahead of you in a certain area of your life. There may be people that you work with that are going to be able to challenge you and be honest with you and become a support network for you. There may be people that you're overlooking that are friends from the past or overlooking that are in your family that can be in that role as well. And the second action you can take is to start intentionally having boundaries with those people who you know fill you with fear. They might encourage you once you start establishing those boundaries and say, wow, that's amazing. That is so cool. But don't be the ones who help you do the planning. Don't let them be the ones who help you do the planning or else they're going to really slow you down. So there you have four things, four main reasons that people can't dream and can't get to that next level and don't want to, you can start training your brain to start dreaming again. And you start by articulating any vision that you have. You do these kinds of actions and you start seeing that it's going to give you clarity, which is the thing I love to see with people when they start having clarity, because then they start getting confidence that they can move forward and reach these goals. So the first one is two, as I read these off quickly is, I should know this quickly, but deal with your emotional junk, self-pity, deal with it. Come on. Rear view mirror focus, so not staying stuck in the past. And the fourth one is get rid of those negative people. Start having boundaries with them, identify them, and know what you're dealing with there. So if you've loved this episode, please tell your friends about it. That helps it grow. It starts with you. And I want you to deter determine what resonated with you most from today. If you if you really listen, you're going to have something from today that really inspired you. It could have been one of the actions, could have been one of the illustrations. And I want you to take some kind of action in the next 24 hours based on what you learned today in your own life. In fact, do it in the next 12 hours. That way you won't have a night's sleep on it before you actually take that action. So remember my rule, 20% of transformational change is Insight. You've gained insight today. 80% though is action. You have to take action. This podcast is worthless if you don't take some kind of action based on what you learned. So if you're interested, have me out to speak live or over Zoom. I would love to come out and live and talk to your team. I have this topic, the seven steps to a giant leap in your mental health. Talk about mental toughness, knowing you can handle things that come your way. It's great for a workplace team. I'd love to come talk to you guys about it. Love for you to check it out. And also remember to sign up so you don't miss the video when it launches and the worksheet. You don't want to miss that. So I'm going to go ahead, and go ahead and also mention that I'd love to work with you or have you work with one of my other legacy coaches, my certified legacy coaches to start your legacy journey. Coaching is probably the best, single best way to make progress in your life that I have found. You invest in yourself. You 
invest your resources, your finances in yourself, your time in yourself, and there's an outcome. So I have in mind an outcome that clients articulate. They want to get to that place. And so we go and work on it. I show them the steps. They articulate the steps. They know what the steps are and they take the steps. There's accountability. And at the end, there's transformation. So super powerful way to invest in yourself and be committed to yourself. I'll go ahead and sign off the way I always do. Make it your mission to live the life now, today that you wanna be remembered for 10 years after you're gone. Think about Thanksgiving. What are they gonna say about you or Christmas? You decide your legacy, no one else. I appreciate you greatly and I'll see you next time. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.